For podcast articles and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com. All right, everybody, welcome back. If you're just joining us again, my name is Rob Carter, filling in for Columbo and Katie. I appreciate the opportunity. I had a whole show put together. Things that I, I, if you listen to my show on Sunday nights from 6 to 8, and by the way, just another shameless plug, January 29th, 8 to 10 o'clock p.m. on Newstalk STL, I go daily at the end of this month. I hope you'll join me. I'll need the help for sure. But generally what I do is I use information that's out there in the world, and I think X, formerly Twitter, is a great way, if you know how to use it, to get information. Because all of the politicians have their Twitter feeds, and most of them aren't even in control of their Twitter feeds. They uh, they give that to somebody else to run for them. You can tell right away. But that's where they're getting their point of view out, their talking points, all of the comedians, all of the entertainers, everybody's out there. And you can kind of see the agendas of everybody in the arena. So I like it, and I pay attention to it. I have one clip that I want to start with, because I was going to go through a bunch of different things, but I have uh, Ben Keithley. He was with the Freedom Caucus today, and I invited him in. He had a doctor's appointment. Now he's on his way here. I believe he has a police escort because Ben's the real deal. And he's probably doing about 90 down the highway trying to get here before the show ends. At 342, Ben, if you're on your way. But I had a whole show with clips that I wanted to play for you. And I want to play this first one. Um, it's a Delta Airlines. This is, a, this is what I mean about the entire apparatus trying to divide people comes from the media, it comes from the schools, it comes from the politicians. Everybody is trying to put everybody else in a corner and then point fingers at them. That's not a way to run a society. You can have your differences of opinion, but you, at some point you got to learn to get along with people who disagree with you because if we all thought the same way, it'd be worse. You need people to have debate and conversation and differences of opinion so you can hash it out. This is Delta Airlines. This guy got misgendered. Or the, I don't know, a guy, girl, I don't know. Maybe I'm doing the same thing. But he's trying to get on his Delta Airlines flight, and the person working the ticket counter says he when he should have said she, or she when he should have said he, and then he gets some pushback. So I want you to listen to this very carefully, and then I want to tell you a story, my story with Delta Airlines. Clip number four, Joey V. Go. And what about when adults employ misgenders you so intentionally? While, she's talk, while he's talking, you're talking. You just misgendered me again. Yeah. Okay. Multiple times. Gotcha. Both of you have. Sorry. It wasn't intentional, but if you yeah. want to take it personal, that's also. Well, she did do it intentionally twice. Yes, talking to me too. You said she and then you said he. You're being condescending. And if you want to continue, Ooh. I have full authority escort you out the building right this moment if you want to play that game with me. Okay. Would you like to continue three days before Christmas? I really don't mind. Okay, I'll just put this on. <laughs> I'll just put this on. So I got to tell you this story real fast. Delta, during the height of COVID, was the airline that I, w- I took. I used to, I, I made a trip. I was living in Orlando, Florida. I would fly out to Los Angeles where my office was that I was working. That's the company that I was working with. And then I would fly into St. Louis to see family and then back to Florida. And I made this trip sometimes twice a month, but at least once a month. I was getting on a Delta Airline flight. This is when everything at the food courts, all of the airports were shut down because of COVID. There was no place to eat. I get there an hour and a half before the flight is supposed to take off. And I'm starving. And this is a five and a half hour flight from Orlando, Florida to Los Angeles. 
and I'm hungry. So I look around. There's no place to eat. The only thing that was open was Burger King, home of the Whopper. And I thought, you know what? I don't like to eat fast food too terribly much because it disagrees with me, but I got to eat. So I stand in line at this Burger King at Orlando at Orlando Airport, and there's this kid behind me. He's like 23, 24, 25 years old, and he starts talking to me. We uh, Not a lot, just small talk. Finally get my burger. I got about 10 minutes to get to the gate, which was right around the corner, so it wasn't a big deal. I get there. Kids behind me, we start talking again, and we barely make it onto the flight. We're the last two on. We get our seats, and would you know it, I'm on the aisle, and he is on the aisle right across from me. So now we have this conversation going on. He's sitting side by side with me, and he hadn't eaten his burger yet, so he wants to eat it. And if you remember, if you flew a lot back in those days, you could take the mask off and the visor and the rubber gloves if you were eating because the virus didn't spread if you were eating it only spread when you weren't eating and that's why you needed the mask on if you can make sense of it great remember going in and out of the restaurants and you had to you had to wear it coming in and then take it off when you sat down it's the most absurd nonsense of all time and when we look back on it there's going to be movies made about our compliance with absurdity but nonetheless he is trying to eat, and now they're trying to get the plane ready for takeoff. And the first flight attendant comes by and says, sir, you have to put your mask on. And he says, I'm just going to finish my food. And the flight attendant continues forward. Then another flight attendant comes down. They're coming down in a row like the military police. And the flight attendant says, sir, you have to put your mask on. He goes, "He goes, I'm just going to finish my burger. That flight attendant walks off. And then the third and final flight attendant comes by. Very flamboyant character, if you understand what I'm saying. And he says, sir, you have to put your mask on. And he goes, okay, can you get me a napkin? Because he has a retainer. You know those things you put in your mouth and he wants a napkin for his retainer. And as he starts to walk away, I said, man, they are serious about this, these masks. And this flight attendant, very upset with my commentary, turns around and says, we are serious about these masks. And if you don't like it, you can drive to your destination. And my blood pressure goes high quick. Real quick. And uh, it was all I could do not to get into a shouting match with this guy, but I certainly was not going to let it slide and begin to humiliate him in front of the passengers. Now, I got my mask on. I'm ready for takeoff. I am defending the guy across the aisle because they were harassing him when by their own rules and regulations, he could eat. And he was trying to eat. So I said, you know what? I was thinking about driving from Orlando to Los Angeles, but it seems a bit of a, it seems like a heavy task when I could take this airline. And he goes, well, you can't take the airline. They're going to lift the restrictions sometimes maybe in September, but until then you have to wear the mask. Those are the rules. And um, I don't remember what I said to him, but it probably wasn't nice. I didn't curse. I didn't do anything nasty, but I was certainly let him, letting, letting him know that he was a foolish person and a little bit over the top of the mask mandate. He was really into it. And he goes, that's it. And he walks down the aisle, stomping away, very angry like a two-year-old. And we take our, we get off of the jetway and we get on to the runway and the flight stops. This is a full plane. There's 200 passengers on this plane. And now we're sitting on the runway at Orlando Airport. And about five minutes goes by and I turn to the person to my right and I said, they're going to kick me off this flight. And it was her and her boyfriend. They were probably in their 30s. And she goes, for what? And I said, for having any kind of conversation with that idiot. I have, a pro- I have a feeling that's going to cause a problem. 
She goes, oh, no way. For, there's, but you didn't do anything. I said, oh, I've seen this act before because I fly all the time. And I'd seen it happen on American Airlines. I'd seen it happen where people were pulled off just for talking back to these flight attendants who were now given supreme authority over the airline uh, uh, passengers. So sure enough, the flight it starts to turn around, and now we're looking at everybody's looking at me now because they I've predicted this is going to happen. Sure enough, Delta Airlines they pull back into the uh, they pull back off of the runway. Pilot gets up. He's about five six, uh, hundred and ninety five pounds, squatty little character with big arms and not very tall, like Popeye, if you will. And he comes down the uh, uh, aisle way, and he's got two flight attendants behind him. And he points right to the person in front of me and says, you out of here. And I and I'm, I know it's me. I know he's coming for me. And the flight attendant taps him on the shoulder and points to me and he goes, you out of here. Now, at this point, I know that I can't make too much of a fuss because I have to fly for a living. I did. There's not much I can do in this particular situation. So I don't say anything. I pick up my bag with my mask on. And I said, it's a new day, kids, as I'm walking out the door. I get out the door, and two police officers are waiting for me. And they say, sir, why did you refuse to wear a mask? And I said, refuse to wear a mask? I said, I didn't refuse to wear a mask. I said, I fly every every month, sometimes two, three, four times a month. I, I, I know the deal. I got to wear the mask. He goes, well, they said that you refused to wear a mask on there. I said, you had a very overzealous flight attendant who I got into a bit of a back and forth with, and he didn't like it, so he exercised his authority to get me off that flight. And they said, okay, what's your name? I write down the name. I write down my phone number. They shake my hand and off I go. About a week later, I get a letter in the mail from Delta Airlines that I am banned from their airline. And I get a letter from Homeland Security saying that I am now on a watch list and there's nothing I can do to refute it. That this is just a warning. I'm on notice and there's nothing you can do about it. So I called Delta up. And I say, listen, first of all, they won't pay attention to me. You have to send them a bunch of emails and so forth. So they didn't respond to the first two or three emails that I sent. And the final one I sent was, I am now on a government watch list through Homeland Security for something that I did not do. You've accused me of not wearing a mask. And there's a lot of people that were on that flight that will tell you that it had nothing to do with me not wearing a mask. This was in defense of another passenger who you guys were harassing. And if you don't call me back today... I'm going to file a lawsuit against you. And wouldn't you know it, ding, 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 the phone starts ringing. I answer the phone, and the guy apologizes profusely. He says, you know, this has been happening a lot lately. Um, I hope you will not sue us. We're going to reinstitute your right to fly on Delta Airlines, of course, which I said I will never do again. And we will refund your money. And they did. So now, when I see these things with Delta Airlines, I agree with the Delta Airlines ticket people. But man, oh man, when you talk about corporate fascism, which is what Justin Sparks and I were talking about earlier, this is how it works. These people that were running the airlines back in the COVID days were something else. I can remember being on a shuttle bus leaving Los Angeles airport to go to my hotel. And there were like six American Airlines flight attendants and pilots on this particular shuttle bus. And I usually have headphones on because I want to I want to block out the world uh, when I'm in these situations, especially when the mask things were going on, because it just made me so aggravated all the time to wear that stupid, ridiculous mask that I didn't even want to have conversations with people around me. It so demoralized me personally that I just had a feeling that if I got into conversations with somebody who aggravated me, I would go off the deep end. 
So I'd put on headphones, not talk to anybody. But I heard these people giggling, so I kind of took my right earphone away and so I could hear what was happening. And they were all laughing about kicking somebody off of the flights for not putting their mask above their nose. And they just got such joy out of kicking these people off the flight. I thought to myself, what in the world is going on in America and around the world with this nonsense? This insane nonsense where you give people with the IQ of a street rat the authority to destroy people's livelihoods, to kick them out of stores and kick them off airplanes and take their jobs away from them with no pushback. Nothing was happening at the time. And that just reminds me of how much dissension there is in society when 80% of the people decide to comply with BS. You're going to have a pushback from the 20%. They're not going to dig it. They know when you're trying to get over on them and they're not, they're going to fight back. People with a spirit. People who don't like getting rolled and conned are going to cause a stink. And if you just remember back to those days, how much division did it cause in your life? How many people did you argue with, whether you're on the side of the mask mandates, if you're on the other side of the mask mandates, it's neither here nor there. How much dissension did it cause in your life? How much trouble did it cause for you? And like I said yesterday, if you do not stop those things from happening, you'll have a fractured society forever because the people in the media that have the power and the politicians and the big corporations that you need to fly, that you need for your food, that you need for energy, for some reason, they're trying to divide people in this country. More so than ever before. We've had a lot of strife in this country. If you look back through the 60s, But what's going on now is so easily dissected, so easy to recognize what's happening. And yet people continue to allow it to happen without any pushback. I think if they try to roll these things back out again, these masks, Sam Page, my good friend Sam Page, he loves a mask. Dr. Sam Page. He loved him. He was a mask tyrant, a mask Nazi. If that starts to happen again, I have a feeling that the citizens of Missouri and the citizens of St. Louis are going to push back hard. Therefore, I don't think it'll happen. It'll be con number two. It'll be whatever the next con job they got coming is to keep us divided. But I hope that people start to understand that the government isn't always your friend. The government isn't always on your side. They're not telling you to take the right medicines. They're not trying to teach your kids the right things. And even the dopiest people on the planet know that some of these things are bad. They know that it's not good for society. But for some reason, they endorse it. I say no more. I say time to get our government in order. Time to break the ties with these big corporations and really put a highlight and a focus and spend your money with small businesses. It's time to make the government in Missouri and in D.C. make it easier for people to develop and start small businesses. Just think of the way it's set up now for all of those people, for all of those people that say, 
there's nothing you can do. If you just hold your politicians accountable, there's a lot you can do. Ben uh, Keithley is coming in. I believe Nick Schroer, my good friend Nick Schroer, who does the show right after me on Sunday evenings on SR1 Sundays. He's on the line. We're going to talk just a little bit more about the Freedom Caucus when we get back. Once again, my name is Rob Carter. Look forward to my show, 8 to 10 o'clock, beginning on January 29th. I hope you'll tune in. We'll be right back. For podcasts, articles, and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com. All right, everybody, welcome back. If you are just joining us out of break, my name is Rob Carter, filling in for Colombo and Katie. And in studio, we have Ben Keithley, Rep Ben Keithley. And on the phone, we have Senator Nick Schroer, who is, by the way, he was voted best looking (laughs) at the Freedom Caucus award winning ceremonies today. I voted for Justin Sparks. And Ben, if you hadn't been feeling well, I think you were right in the running, too. But Nick Schroer voted best looking. How you doing, Nick? What's going on, bud? Hey, I uh, I give the award back to you, Rob. Thanks for. Uh, <laughs> I'm not, thanks I wasn't for in the Freedom Caucus. You. you got it all. You got all the votes. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. <laughs> What's going on? Hey, just been down in North St. Louis talking about crime, economic development, uh, some hospitals that are coming into the area. Uh, but no, I mean we take the day off like it should. You know, talking about the the preservation of our republic, fighting for what's right, fighting for individual rights. And I'm glad you've got the other attorney from the the Freedom Caucus, Ben Keithley, there with us because it looks like already out of the gate the Senate is going to need some of the muscle of the law when it comes to abiding by the rules of the Senate uh, to get to get the things done that we the people want: tax cuts, fighting crime, economic development, uh, you know, healthcare choices that. Other states have, but we don't. You name it. This year is going to be a good year, and I'm confident of that. Right on. I want to introduce the the audience to Ben Keithley. Ben and I have been going back and forth on uh, text messages for what two months now. Oh yeah, yeah. And I think uh, it's, I'm I'm glad to finally make we it finally in the got studio to meet here. We well, you're good friends. A lot. Yeah, we have. Yeah. You're you're good friends with one of my favorite people in the world, mm-hmm. Kurt Van Hoekstra, who I've known since I was a kid. One of the sharpest people you'll ever want to meet. And he goes, "You got to talk to Ben Keithley." I said, "He goes, you got to talk to him." So I'm glad to finally meet you. What's going I, on? I met Kurt the proper way that politicians meet people, going door to door and putting really? up yard signs. Yeah, that's how I met him. Kurt's always been a great supporter, great guy politics just oh yeah right on the money right yeah he's uh well he's very sharp he was very, I, I think he's got an engineering degree he was sharp when we were in high school oh, yeah. together but uh he speaks very highly of you mm-hmm. and uh what's your take on the freedom caucus what do you want to get accomplished with it i know nick's got some ideas so what's well, the uh what's the agenda well I, nick brought up uh having the the two lawyers here you know i had been a lawyer and having been in practice for 10 years i never thought i would spend more time explaining the law to members of the <laughs> legislature than i would to my own clients uh, but that's that's the situation I found myself in after the uh, the first year. Um, it's I I think it's it's desperately needed uh, that that voice the conscience of the conscience of what should be the conscience of the Republican Party going forward and uh, and holding the the people who are Republicans there to actually f- live out the actual Republican platform in our legislation. We can't keep letting other states with less Republicans in their ranks keep passing us up uh from a competition standpoint it's terrible and we're also letting down our constituents who are here right now how did you get uh, connected with nick I'm, I'm guessing this is like high school the <laughs> people that that feel like they are connected in some way there's something that ties them together the way they think is this how you guys get connected in uh in jeff city i think so i think you can uh you it's it's easy to uh 
to sniff out the people who are like-minded with you. That's what Justin said. Mm -hmm. The people who are there for the right reasons, the people who are, who are making the same sacrifices as you and who are aware of it and who have the same goals. It's, 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 I I say like-minded, but it's, it's, it's so much more than that. It's, it's, it's like valued. Yeah. Mm Well, well, Rob, Rob, real quick, Go ahead. this guy, I mean, you got, you, you named two of them, Justin Sparks, Ben Keithley, that when you have this, this new crop of legislators come in, and I was part of one back in 2016, started serving in 2017, and any time that you would have a good idea that the people wanted, you would have leadership or someone in the bureaucracy saying, no, 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 stand down, it's not your time, or this is too controversial. When you have people like Ben Keithley, Justin Sparks, Maisie Christensen, and the list goes on saying, no, 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 I'm doing my job. I'm here to work for the people, not for the bureaucrats, not for the party, you know, not to appease, uh, you know, the, just the status quo right now. And that's, yeah, you can kind of sniff out and figure out when, when you're really pushed to it, who's going to stand on principle versus who's going to try and climb the political ladder to, to uh, you know, help themselves down the line. Are you going to be uh, recruited for Congress? Is that happening already? I hear your name being bantered about all over the radio today. That you question's know, obviously it's to you, Nick. <laughs> it's, it's something that I'm, I'm considering. I think you have to uh, five, 10, 20 years ago. And even even just this past year, I would say, heck no. But looking at what is happening in Congress, it's even worse than what's happening in the Missouri Capitol. You've got the, you know, the swamp keeps getting bigger. Our rights keep getting smaller. The cost of everything is going up. We're almost in a third world war. Inflation, immigration, all of these things that we have common sense solutions for are not being implemented. They're not being fixed. So, yeah, we, we do need a fighter. And, yeah, I praise uh, Congressman Luke DeMeyer for, for his service to the state. But the times are changing, and we, we need somebody not to go down there, not saying that this is what he did. But we don't need kumbaya people to go down there with Cory Bush and say, all right, I can understand that you're upset today, so I'm not going to file the defunding Planned Parenthood bill. No, we need, we need strong fighters going down there saying this is the last beacon of hope. This nation, we are on the brink of letting freedom slip away for the final time, and I am not going to stay an idol by let it happen so of course i'm considering it but i've got a good friend named senator bob onder who's been a, a fighter just as well he was termed out and if it wasn't for term limits i wouldn't have gone on to uh, to join my colleagues in the senate and he's considering it as well so uh, i think over the next couple of weeks we're going to probably have a, a solution to who's going to run for lieutenant governor who's going to stay put or who's going to run for congress i would love to see brilliant principled people that have the ability to lead in positions of power in Missouri. Because at that point, and you communicate well. This is one thing I know about you. I was talking to Phil about it this morning. Phil produces the show on Sunday nights for us. Uh, I said, you know, the one thing I have learned is that Nick is, he believes in the things that he's saying. He really, he's, it's, it's, it's the part of who he is. You can just tell by when I watch you prepare for your show. You're, you're obviously a very bright person. You have very strong principles and you want to make things change. I recognize this right away in people and I can kind of tell the, you know, nobody's perfect. I mean, you can always be misled and be conned a little bit, but you can kind of tell the people where it's, they're not just saying the words. You can feel it when you're talking to them. And that's why I like the idea of you building your career within politics and making some things happen. I do not get the sense that you, Ben, I'm meeting you for the first time, so I'm watching you like a hawk, baby. Good, good. <laughs> you should be. But I don't get the sense that you are uh, going to go there and get taken over by money and power. Yeah. And, you know, you, I, I said it to Justin Sparks. I look out for people that start to read their own press clippings, right? You get a position of power in uh, in the political world, and then all of a sudden you think you're a little bigger, a little taller, a little smarter than everybody else, and that's not really what you're there for. You're there to serve. And I don't know that all the people that go there uh, keep that principle in their head is that serving the people that you are are uh, uh, petitioning for the job 
is the ultimate goal. You got to serve them. Amen. That's all we don't have right now. We've got a lot of people on both sides of the aisle in uh, Washington, D.C. and in Jeff City that are they're more worried about reelection campaigns. They're more worried about, OK, well, if I if I file this controversial bill, that may scare off some of the lobbyists from contri- contributing to me, even though my people want it. Look, you know, Bill Eagle's been pushing this thing to get rid of personal property tax. And you have so many people behind the scenes saying, yeah, I, I want to do it, too. I think it's egregious, but I can't do it because it'll it'll tick off. X, Y, or Z. We need more fighters. Put your name on the ballot if you're pissed off at the status quo. We need more people going down there like Ben, like Justin Sparks, like like myself, like Senator Onder, that want to take the fight and change the nation for our kids and for the future. Well, the people that were speaking today were impressive. It's cold outside. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cold outside. Was Chili reshaking a little bit? Oh, yeah. I, I, I did all right for the first little bit, but then it's uh, when uh, it, it gets through your shoes and into your right. toes. And Finger, then my, I was like, holding the camera. My fingers were shaking. Now it feels like it's dragging. <laughs> I, I mean, exactly. But it, it, I, I will say this. You know, I'm trying to observe everything, get to know everybody and try to figure things out. And um, what I saw there today, well, first of all, there's a lot of people there for that weather and to stick around and hear all of the. So there, you obviously have some support, but everybody that spoke. um Seem to me have the talent of communication, which is that's one of the biggest jobs of this position uh, is you got to be able to communicate to people and get them inspired to follow suit, to get behind you and to knock on doors and to get the message out there that we can have a better Missouri. We get a lot of practice regularly having to stand up for our principles there and yeah. standing up and having to articulate those principles to people who over and over and over again, sometimes the same people. It's like, no, this is what we promised to do. This is why we came down here. This is why our constituents trusted us to be the ones here. And uh, when you do that over and over again, you you develop a knack for doing it. For feeling it, right? Mm-hmm. Seeing them out. Yeah. Yep. And the ones who can't do it, if you can't articulate your position, if you aren't confident in what you're saying, like you're you're one of the first you're one of the first people who's going to go the other way. You have to be able to articulate it to others yeah. if you're going to stand confident and be in it and continue to do it yourself. Is there a way and I'll ask both of you. Is there a way to engage the other side in a in public debates? I mean, it's just one thing that I'd never understood about just our political system. You could easily say, okay, this is the person running against me, or this is the other side. Why can't we go to some college, say it's OMSL, and we'll get in the gymnasium, we'll invite everybody, we'll spend a little bit of money because we're informing voters, and just get in front of people. Because when you debate face-to-face, and it's not a 15-minute TV commercial when you can turn it off and it becomes show business, people can really get to see who's who. I mean, you can. I love debating people with things that I know well, it's great, you know, because I, I know what I'm talking about. Um, so I love to see people debate. And when their positions are weak, it becomes very obvious. Is, have we as a state ever thought about getting that message out and, and, and really putting pressure on the other side? Because when you run from debate, I think voters get a sense of that as well. I think well, when, it's I, a, when I was in law school, oh, go ahead, Ben. Oh, I was just going to say it's the it's the change 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 my mind segment, right. right? It's it's that kind of thing, the uncut, unfiltered debate, and uh, and you see, you know, when you put when you put conservative principles and conservative ideology up against the the counter position, it crumbles so quickly. Um, conservative, I mean, it's in the definition of conservative principles. These are, these are what are tried and, and tested and, and true throughout time. Um, and that's why we fight to uphold them. And I, I, I think, but it's, it's not, it's not an easy thing to do. You have to be confident in what you're saying. You have to know and you have to know why you hold your principles. And I think, I think, uh, 
I think conservatism is there's a lot of people who 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 go that direction, but but aren't aren't convicted enough or don't believe it. The what the left attacks us with over and over again is a lot of feel good stuff. Right. It's like it's just it's it's real easy to say why can't we just take care of everybody? Why can't we? And they're 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 hacking into your basic sense of all all you know humans are essentially charitable at the end, and they're hacking into that. You know it's but. But what we're talking about is something else. We're talking about governing. We're not talking – government's not a big charity. Government is how we secure our liberties. And that's the part that I think conservatives miss on. And, the, and when you're missing the fundamental step of why you're conservative in the first place, then you can't get to the more ingrained policy argument, granular arguments down the down the road. I agree. Nick? No, I, agree. I agree entirely. And I saw that when I was in – Law school before I ever got into politics and I was elected the president of the Federalist Society, we use the resources of the similar to this, this Freedom Caucus. We use the, the resources of the national organization, the Federalist Society to bring in speakers, Hans von Spakovsky, John Lott, many others to debate some of these issues, whether it's gun control, taxation. Obamacare was huge back when, when I was in law school and it, it was, it was a debate. You had. Uh, law students and you had individuals that were experts in that field. Now you get into politics. You think that, you know, I'm, I'm salivating because I want more of that. I know where I'm stuck on my issues and then I know where I could be convinced otherwise. And to Ben's point, we should have the change my mind. Oh, we lost him. But there you instead, are. You're, yes, you're, cu- sorry, you're cutting out on us, buddy. That's all. No, but but instead instead of having the change my mind segments, we have okay. Let's let's name call, let's mudsling, mm-hmm. and then clip that, put it on our social media to tell our echo chamber how good we are. No, we need to foster more debate because I think there's a lot more people. Well, I, mean, I think a lot more people now have come over to the right side of the aisle. But previously, you had a ton of people that were just independent, that were moderate, and stuck in the middle, and they didn't know what to believe. It's like that one song, Clowns to the Left of Me, Jokers to the Right, and Here I Am, Stuck in the Middle with You. Well, here's where the Freedom Caucus is. We're tired, you know, sick and tired of the name-calling, the mudslinging, and nothing getting done. We're stuck in the middle with we, the people that are ticked off and want to see some change in their lives. And Biden has made things so costly, so dangerous, and we don't even know what our kids are being educated. So, yeah, I think it's time that we have more of an open debate. Maybe that's something. Rob, you can do on your new show. I would love it. And I'm I'm trying to get Democrats involved. I don't I, 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 I make no. I don't attack the other side. I try to engage the other side because I think exactly like you said, when you attack them, you basically attack the people that are supporting them. And that turns those people off. You engage them and you say, listen, I want to have a conversation with you because I believe that if the voters get to hear us debate on the merits of the argument, I'll win. And you can just have that conversation with people. I love it. It's like I said before. If you're, if you're on the side of right and you believe it, you should be able to influence the people that are listening. Listen, we're running out of time. Uh, thanks for calling in, my man. I really appreciate it. And I, I just hope that you guys can stand up to the press because the press is going to say that you guys are dividing the Republican Party. You know it's coming. That's the way this is going to play mm-hmm. out. And you've got to be able to stick together and you got to be able to influence the voters so that those people that are calling you guys uh, divisive move over to your side and drag those rhinos over to your side so we can get something done here in Missouri. Rhino hunting season, baby. Can I get an amen? I just, that was amen. preaching. Amen. <laughs> uh, have a great day, Nick. Thanks for calling in, brother. I'll talk to you soon. God bless y'all. You get, you got it, Ben. Thanks for coming in, thanks brother. For having I me. really appreciate, appreciate you coming in, making. I know you're at the uh, doctor's office, so I appreciate yeah. you. Oh, thanks Ma- for make, uh, making the trek for me here. You got it. We'll do it again. Yes, that's all I got for you, everybody. Have a fabulous evening, and we'll see you Sunday night at six o'clock on the Rob Carter Show on News Talk STL. For podcast articles and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com.